Before we start the fire, we must collect wood. We must understand what makes it burn and how the spark that starts it happens. After it's created, it cannot be controlled. A keeper must withstand it while it rages. In this episode, we'll learn how Ellie succeeded in that, how she became the Israeli keeper of Alteria. Hello everybody, this is Avi. We're going to jump right into it, but not before thanking Cabinet and Patrick Biondo for letting me use their song Silver Sun in this podcast. Do check them out on cabinetmusic.com. Before the Keepers meeting happened and after getting back from the desert, I completed my basic training of the three skills, conductivity, control and change. For me, it meant learning control, which is the one I was missing. But more interestingly, I had to do something that's called combined training. And I'll get to that in a minute. Control was trained uh, with a challenge, similar to the other two skills. And the spring room that I used to learn conductivity in can be configured to various forms. Control's configuration had one of the wall tiles, which is a concrete tile about 50% larger than human, behave like a revolving door. Now I had to push on the right and left of it in equal force so it won't turn. And had I used even a fraction more force in one hand, the tile will revolve and I will bump my head into the wall, well hit my head into the wall. Since I already knew change, I could react to my own failures and avoid the, the hit. Still took me a few days to master it though because you have to use that same technique that I learned in change where I assume formation without doing the actual stance in the original formation training. And that's very useful technique because imagine like a karate practitioner, you know, they do like this huge wide stances. Usually you don't fight like this. You fight more narrow. After I did that, I got to do combination training and that was a doozy. With the agency and opening the gate, Ellie just wanted me done. So she had me start combination training from the maximum difficulty. And to do that, I had to drink tons of substanced water. Ellie and Josh, which is her fourth master, took turns making sure I wasn't drinking too much of it and getting hooked since, well, I didn't know my own limits yet. But they they can tell if I behave differently. They can kind of see my body movement and and say, okay, this is too much substance. We have to it's it's called extract it out of him. And the way they extract it is the most unpleasant way possible. They punch me in the heart. It's not even the actual punch that's unpleasant. It's the effect it has on the substance in my body. Josh and Ellie are very, very strong and they hit very strong. So the substance in me has to be used up for protection around the heart. And that's the part that feels worse. It's like puking invisible vomit. And in those moments, I had so much substance in me. That's why it had to be removed. 
that using it all up at once was very, very, very unpleasant to say the least. The combination training was a combination of the three challenges. My task was to keep the wall tile in place while it was randomly protracting and retracting at random resistance level. So the spring was becoming active. It would push uh, the, the, the tile outside or, or pull it inside. And I had to counter pull or counter push it to keep it just exactly where it is. Now you can imagine you're pushing something and all of a sudden it pulls back. Then you have to change and pull, right? So you, your counter is exactly equal to the amount that the tile is exerting. When you start doing this kind of a difficult drill on max level, you're basically going to end up in trouble because when I miss something, I, I was getting thrown all around the room. Usually that would mean bad news. But because I was drinking so much water and I had so much substance in me, my altered state was so strong, I could sense myself being flung through the air. I could get ready for my landing, land perfectly, and use the three skills to have the mattress blow me back to where I needed to be. It's almost like half an instinct because of the, of the altered state. One of the days Ellie came in, stopped training and told me to follow her. And she took me to the lobby, tied a rope to that big tug of war statue. She gave it to me and said, tip the scale. This time I knew I could do it. After I did that pull and pushed it back, Ellie asked me to join the meeting of the keepers and let me know that after that, I am to start fight training. Well, that meeting, you know, you know what, what happened in that meeting? Ellie wasn't there waiting for me for training. It was Josh, her fault master. The reason he was there is really not because Ellie was mad at me. It's because of something that's called the last test. The last test is the final step in becoming a keeper. And it is to beat an existing keeper. A handicapped one, but still, it's a keeper and it's frightening. The candidate fights the keeper that interviews him, and usually it's the keeper he'll replace. But since the keeper I'm replacing, the Australian keeper is um, currently unavailable, Ellie is my interviewer and I have to beat her. And that's why Josh was there. The fort master trains the candidate, so the keeper won't reveal her fighting style. We started in the spring room and we did what's basically is combination training. The only difference was that instead of a wall that I had to react to, there was Josh. And Josh reacted to me as well, unlike a wall. My goal was to move him in any way, make him step. That is a genius training technique invented by the keepers that allows a more experienced fighter teach someone less experienced. While we were training, Josh noticed that the keepers meeting was still on my mind. Initially, he, he thought that it's the, the ominous feeling that I still have. And he was right, but there was something else that he found out. He, Josh is very, very observant. That thing is the way Ellie and I ended up in that meeting and how she got so angry at me. I am now much more relaxed about this because Josh explained to me or told me Ellie's history. That helps understand how she thinks. And I asked him if I could repeat that story. And he said that there is basically no one who doesn't know this. And so I'm going to I'm going to tell you this, uh, this story of Ellie, the Israeli keeper. 
אלי גרו אפ אין הפמילי דאט וורקט את דה ישראלי פורט בייסקלי סינס איט וואז אסטאבלישט. And originally from Europe, the family had married the local population and blended in by the time Eli was born. Eli's father is the direct descendant of that Fort fam- Walker's family, and Eli's mom is and just an Israeli unrelated to Alteria. Now, Eli's father was the first family member to ever become keeper. And that was after he decided to interview to replace the retiring Israeli keeper of the time. And the family was very, very proud of his achievement. But no one was more proud than he himself. He wanted to make sure that there was not even a speck of doubt about zero foul play. That he got the position fair and square. And he may have worried too much because being one of the strongest keepers to ever live... No one doubted the position was rightfully his. And this whole time, Ellie was fascinated with her father's job. But unlike him, she wasn't tied to the fort or to Alteria. She just adored the actual things a keeper does. Shifting the fort, fighting, helping the crew, the collaboration with them, the other forts, you know, having someone, someone to protect them. Not necessarily Alteria, but just having to protect anyone was something that appealed to her. Her father was amused whenever, as a child, she would say that she wants to be a keeper after him and help preserve the Israeli fort. And when she got older, she knew better than to speak of that. Her father had two problems with her aspirations, with her keeper aspirations. First, he dismissed the concept of a female keeper. He said, and rightfully so, that women lack the physical strength required of a keeper. Sure, there are many strong women who can beat very strong men. But what happens when you put the strongest woman against the strongest man, he asked. Ellie did not reject that inherent difference in strength between the genders. But she was wise enough to understand that different people can occupy the same position differently. The statue in the lobby clearly depicts a single girl matching 10 strong men. Ellie's father would think it's to show how strong the altered state is. But Ellie knew its true meaning. A fit person can come from anywhere. The fact that Ellie is a woman wasn't the, the main issue though. Main issue, and that's the second problem he had with, with Ellie's aspiration, is that she was the daughter of the Israeli keeper. And she wanted to interview to replace him. And to her father, that was like stabbing every single family member in the back. Except him. For him, it was a stab to the heart. The only thing that decided who can interview for a keeper is the answer to, can that person be a keeper? It's so hard to find a keeper as it is, you know, so no one really cares where they're from. Ellie's dad understood this, and indeed he conceded that since she passes this quick test, she can interview. And if she passes the interview, it doesn't matter how much he dislikes the concept. So that solves the first problem with like being a woman keeper, right? But having his daughter basically inherit a job that he for 30 years showed to be unrelated to family or connections, He wouldn't have one bit of it. 
but the other keepers kept pushing for him to give her a chance. The keepers are so good at what they do, they only really care about how a candidate will be as a keeper. Ellie's father caved in, but on one condition. During the last test, he will fight without a handicap. The keepers agreed because they were confident. Well, they used to say, he wouldn't hurt her. Everyone knows how much he loves her. And that was their mistake. He did very much love her more than anything else in the whole wide world. But that only made him feel so much more betrayed. The keepers were smart enough to send um, a keeper, though, to oversee this, uh, this last, very unique last test, and along with his fort master, uh, to make sure that uh, nothing derails. Ellie obviously agreed to the lack of handicap, and it happened like every last test in the spring room. The mattresses were adjusted, and they fought. It seemed like Ellie knew that her father will be going all out. The girl who once adored him wasn't there anymore. Oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe she was there, but the man that she adored wasn't. They fought an equal battle, fierce but equal. Her father was past his prime, and so that helped her a little bit. And also she knew him really, really well. At one point during the fight, the keeper who was watching them noticed something weird. Ellie's father was starting to lag behind Ellie, but in kind of a cyclic manner. He would slow down, then he would just get strong as equal again. Then he saw why that was happening, and he shouted, Ellie, get away from him! Then that keeper, he set the spring wall next to him, to the max setting, and used it to launch himself towards the fight. Once he was flying towards them, just a split second after, his fort master saw it too, and just followed suit. What happened was, Ellie's father was siphoning substance to water from the mattresses at their pressure relief points. And it, he was drinking it drop by drop, preparing to hit Ellie after gaining enough strength. Ellie didn't notice him do that. She didn't even think about the mattresses operating on substance to water, even though that's how everything at the fort works. Ellie says now that she didn't hear him shout, only saw the Australian keeper, who was the keeper that was sent to watch the fight, heading blazingly fast at her father, who was just about to hit Ellie with a mighty substance punch, but instead redirected to offend the Australian keeper. Everything happened so, so fast and was so surreal she didn't see the Australian fortmaster who followed, grabbed her, and threw her far, far, far away to the other side of the room. It took both the Australian keeper and fortmaster to restrain Ellie's father in his altered state, even though he drank such a low amount of water. If you think that's nasty, the nastiness that followed was even worse. Ellie's father was exiled. That was a um, very emotional uh, debate among the other keepers. A keeper is, is very, very independent and it's very, very irregular for other keepers to force him to do something. Only happens under the most extreme circumstances, which this was one of them. And so he was exiled, and his father was exiled, and his fort master decided to go with him. 
except for very rare occasions, the keeper and his fort master are never far apart, even in bad times. Eli was then appointed as the Israeli keeper at the age of 16. There usually is an acclimation period where the outgoing and incoming keeper both operate the fort together. And so the Australian keeper stayed in the Israeli fort to help with that. That's when Eli got so attached to him. It's not easy to be Eli. That eased my mind a little bit, understanding how Ellie thinks and what, uh, she, what, what she's been through and just having this context is better for me. Especially when, when you hear this episode, the agency would have probably attacked the Israeli fort. I, I, I've recorded this a while ago and I have scheduled the upload based on our intel as to when the attack is going to be. And so I just wanted you to know that if I, uh, if I stopped, um, if I stop uploading episodes for a really, really long time, longer than usual, then you'd know that, um, I, I maybe bumped into some kind of trouble. So I, you, you should you should wait a little longer and, and I'll I I could be, I I I will make another episode if I yeah I would make another one okay um so yeah um to uh to the next time Sun is in your eyes